So, Tone, it's time to talk about our big show in April. Uh, first, I want to give a big thanks to Schedulicity and to Cosmoprof Beauty for, for uh, sponsoring the show. Um, yeah, and Maryland, April 7th and 8th. That's right. So uh, we're actually doing a show and classes, and we have the amazing Presley Poe and her friends. So tell us about her friends. Oh, we have Blushing Maine, Sarah Jane Maples. Who, who just, just won an aha. She sure did. We got Updo Guru, Casey Powell, for uh, those amazing Bobby Penn sculptures. It's amazing, right? Yeah. And from uh, Project Runway, we have Jackie and Lynn coming in, and they're going to um, show some uh, editorial work on the stage. And, 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 Lynn does the, and Lynn does the quickest updos in the world, so he's going to teach some of that as well. But then tell them what's happening right before the show. Uh, right before the show and right after the show, we have Johnny Cash, Livingston. Doing some tattoo barbering, brother. Yeah, and he's open for questions and stuff, too. So, you know, if you have any questions while you watch him work. Yes, sir. Up close and personal. Also, uh, another big thanks to, uh, to Cosmoprof for sponsoring the uh, Shadow Presley Poe. And we're going to have the winner there. Yep. Miss Stephanie.p.hair. Yeah, so uh, you'll get a chance to meet her as well. And a big shout out to our boy, Ben Mullen. Ben Mullen. Yeah, is going to MC the whole event. Can't wait to hear him. So, again, all information will be available at PresleyPoeAndFriends.com. Check it out. Check out the classes. And uh, it's going to be a fantastic weekend. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey, hey, welcome to your day off. My name is Corey. Of course, I sit with the best bud. Tony, what's up, buddy? What's going on, homie? Hey, uh, you know, and I, I, it's funny because I think our listeners are probably like, man, he says this every time, but I am pretty stoked about our guest today mm-hmm. and you know when we get into it you'll learn it's kind of a small world right because you run across people uh especially you know we've been doing this for a year now we just celebrated one year Woo! boom um and you know and some of the details of these individuals lives you know the people who who've impacted and then later in the podcast you know or interviews we interview other people and they had a big to do in their life and you we, we didn't realize it until right. we interviewed them right so right. uh you know i'm, I'm pretty excited because we've done interviews with people that he's helped mm-hmm. and we've done interviews with people who have helped him or wow, at least like full circle right yeah it's, it's kind of weird right but uh anyways you know instead of me talking about him as a uh like a miss mystery guy right you want to go ahead and him? Him? yeah i think so so um uh on today, uh, today on the podcast, we're we're talking to Kelly Cardenas, and Kelly Cardenas is um he's kind of a he's kind of a big deal in the Paul Mitchell world apparently. So uh, that, that's a, it's a cool name. I was telling him earlier. I said like, it just it seems like just a like a rough name like Kelly Cardenas. I know. Right? Got to answer to Kelly Cardenas. <laughs> yeah, I, <know. laughs> I love it, man. I love it. It's so cool. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, let's bring him in, man. Let's All get right. it before you know mob boss kills us or something right so uh mr kelly cardenas welcome to your day off welcome to you guys i i tell you it's funny that you say that about my name because i used to get beat like not beat up physically but i used to get abused because kelly wasn't that popular of a name and it sounds 
I mean, I think it's a guy's name, but they used right. to give me the, the challenge that it was a girl's. So. Oh, one of my good buddies, his name's Kelly, and uh, him and I, we barbecue together. I have a kind of a competition, barbecue competition team. So in the summertime, him and I, we go compete and, you know, great guy. Anyway, his name's Kelly as well. <laughs> do, quite you, you guys, do you guys do ribs? You guys do chicken? What do you do? Oh, uh, we, we do, it's four uh, meats. You got to do brisket, pulled pork, ribs, and chicken. You got to compete in all four. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah, and I don't do those. Yeah, this is a vegetarian over here. My, my, my buddy here, Corey. But I love portobellas, man. Don't hate my portobellas. I'm not hating. I like them too. <laughs> so, so what's up, Kelly? I'm just chilling, man. I'm so excited to be here with you guys. Um, I'm excited to be home. I live in the best place in the whole entire world, I believe. And uh, I, I was I missed my flight. Not missed my flight, but they canceled it last night out of Fort Myers, uh, Florida. And now I get to be home and uh, get to be with you guys. So the day couldn't be better. Where is that? I'm in Carlsbad, California. It's right next to heaven. <laughs> <laughs> That's where uh, Dave Turner's. Uh, he lives, right? Turner's in. He's in Carlsbad. Yeah. Is that close to San Diego? Yeah, it's North County, San Diego. It's the part of San Diego people don't talk about, and I realized why is because people don't want uh, the people that live here don't want people to live here. Right. Um, yeah. You know what I'm saying? They keep it this little secret. It's this little pocket. We live two blocks from the water. Uh, my wife wanted to raise the kids by the water, and. You know, I mean, it is like, seriously, I mean, it's like the Truman Show in our neighborhood, too. Like kids wow. like singing and dancing and different oxygen pumped in. I was scared of it at first, but I'm loving it now. So did you guys have a fire there three or four or five years ago? Yeah, it came close, man. Because he was on his balcony. He was showing uh, a video of the fire from his balcony or wherever he lived in Carlsbad. And yeah. it, you know, I was like, wow, that is yeah. crazy. That's crazy, isn't it? It's scary. I'll my wife gives me a hard time because she called me. I was working in our Vegas salon at the time. And she's like, hey, is, uh, should, what should I do? Should I shut down the salon? And I was like, do you see fire outside the door? She said, no. And I said, they keep doing air. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Well, luckily, you're only two blocks from the water, so you can run to the water, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what, I, what I found, too, man, is, is – uh, they're, they're definitely going to save the coast. They ain't, I mean, California ain't going to let the coast part. They might let some inland stuff burn, but they ain't gonna let the coast burn. So as long as you stay near there, you're safe. So <laughs> that's awesome. So Cal, where, um, where'd you grow up? Uh, I grew up, uh, in Lompoc, California. Big shout out to Lompoc. Whoa, whoa. whoa, whoa. <laughs> Never heard of it. <laughs> Not exactly. That's how I'm trying to put it on the map, man. It's a, uh, it's a cool town. It's about 35,000. Um, you know, but I tell you, I mean, growing up there, all my buddies that I've had, that's why I was, you know, it's cool to know that you guys knew each other since high school because all my buddies and I still hang out from fourth and fifth grade. There's about 15 of us deep and, uh, you know, we still hang out to this day. So no matter what I ever accomplish in my whole life, they always say, I don't care what you do. You're still that knucklehead, flat-headed, big <laughs> bobblehead kid that we used to hang out with. So it just keeps you humble. You know what I mean? You're still that dude named Kelly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But now I'm a cartel boss, and uh, so I right. just want to, as many times as we can say Longpoke in this podcast, let's just do it. Longpoke, California. Longpoke, yes. Long <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So, so tell us, uh, you know, about Longpoke and, and kind of, yeah, growing up in Longpoke all the way up until uh, till when you decided, I guess, I read once that uh, 13 years old, you you that's when you kind of fell in love with hair. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, my, my dad was in the military, and so I had to, I had to do this, and I, I practiced it in one breath, so I'll get it to you in one breath, right? I was born in England, moved to Taiwan, Idaho, Utah, Florida, California, uh, Memphis, California, Las Vegas, back to California. So uh, Lompoc was in, that, in the middle of that, but I spent a lot of the time in there, and it was a, a military base, so there was a lot of people coming in, a lot of people coming out, and you know, uh, where I really felt, I fell in love early, but I didn't fall in love with the haircutting and I fell in love with getting my hair cut. I got to go to this guy, his name was Jerry. You guys probably still remember your first barber or haircut or whatever, but it was that haircut that I loved. And I, uh, my mom, like my dad took us to the base barbershop and this dude named Jerry hooked me up and he gave me a flat top, hardest haircut in the whole world. That's what we were talking about <laughs> earlier. No. And, um, I fell in love with the feeling of doing this, like touching my head with a flat top and that fade on the side. Right. And, and after that, my dad used to give me $5. I used to have to ride. It was about two and a half, three miles on my bike uh, to go to the barbershop, but he'd give me five bucks and I would get uh, $4 for the haircut. And it was, uh, I would do $4 and then I'd give him a dollar tip. So I felt like a cartel mob boss at the time. I was like, yo, here's a little something extra for you. <laughs> 20%. Got you. <laughs> you know, so, it was, but it was cool, man. I mean, there was such a, a eclectic mix of guys that again, that I still hang out with. So everyone was from everywhere. Like I had, we, we, we mixed the nationality. So we, we, we called like one of my friends, uh, is black and these, uh, he, his dad is black and his uh, mom was Japanese. We had, uh, what we call clack, which was uh, Canadian and black. Um, we had, you know, I'm, I'm half Mexican and half white and people are like, white is not a nationality. I was like, my mom is from Utah, has uh, blonde hair, blue eyes. That's white. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, growing up in that, in that, uh, uh, arena, it was so good because we had all different types of food all different types of cultures and being on the military base, you constantly had people coming in. And so you had to learn how to be able to be in a different spot, like, uh, and understand and know that. And also too, we, uh, we moved every two years, um, to a new residence. And so, uh, I had to be the new kid all the time, which me and my brother really reveled in. And it helped me to be a hairdresser years later because, you know, you had to instantly connect with people right off the bat, which was awesome. So, um, but I think what really shaped me though, was the, the worst haircut that I got. And we all had those. I went to that, I went to that same barbershop. Jerry was my guy. He used to hook me up with the Brian Bosworth lines, you know, what I'm oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. you know, so I was doing that and, uh, I went and barbershop, you know, you pull the, pull the ticket and you wait and you got the number. Well, that number kept flipping, but there was no one in the barbershop. So I'm sitting and I'm waiting and those numbers are flipping and it would turn into like a movie. Like I heard the, 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 the horror music, you know what I'm saying? And it was coming and my number was next and Jerry had just started a haircut. And I was like, damn, like, what do I do? I'm only in fourth grade. Like, I'm, you know, I, I don't know what to do. And it's kind of like that feeling. You ever have your mom have you in the grocery store and uh, she tells you you're in line at the grocery store and she's like, oh, I forgot something. And she leaves oh, you. Yeah, you yeah, don't yeah. Have it you don't have any money and you're just thinking, Oh my God, I'm sweating. I don't know what I'm going to do. What's this lady going to do? So this number is going, it's going slow. And then it finally flips over and it's my number. And I swear to you on my life, I took the number, put it underneath my uh, leg and I acted like it wasn't me. And I was the only dude in a barbershop. <laughs> <laughs> so this dude rolls up on me. He's like 50 years old. Right. And 50 at that time is old. Now 50. Now I'm thinking that's a new 19. 
Right. Um, this dude is 50 years old standing over the top of a 10-year-old, and he comes over, and he's like, number 48, number 48. And I was like, I just started to act like I didn't see him. <laughs> yeah. He got right in my face. He was like, number 48, are you number 48? And I was like, uh, yes, sir. And he's like, uh, well, uh, you're next. Go ahead and hop in the chair. And I was like, uh, I'm waiting for Jerry. And he, I swear to you, he stood over me like a stripper. And he was like, <laughs> he was like, what, you think I can't cut your hair? <laughs> and I was like, and I just, I tell you, I wish that I would have been like that guy. Like that would have been that defining moment. I would have stood up, popped him in his jaw and ran out. But I went out like a little sissy and I tell you, I was put my tail between my legs. I sat in that chair and got the worst haircut. He gave me a flat top, right? So he gave me a flat top right down the center and left it long on the side so I looked like an owl. <laughs> so, so my brother, my brothers called me Woodsy for the for like eight weeks, man. It was awful. Oh, man. That's, that's After funny. that experience, how in the world are you in the industry, man? <laughs> <laughs> well, my, my dad bought dog clippers, man. And so we had a Cocker Spaniel and he do bought dog clippers and thought we had shaved the dog to save money. Because my dad is, I don't know if you guys have this dad or you might be this dad, but my dad is like, you know, when I would want a, a Western bacon cheeseburger, he'd be like, Western bacon cheeseburger, that costs like $1.99. I can make that at home for like 70 cents. And then he would take us home and barbecue a hamburger and put some barbecue sauce on it. And he would be like, see, it's the same. And I'd be like, dad, it don't taste nothing like a Western. <laughs> and he did that same thing with shaving the dog. We got it groomed one time and I don't know how much it cost at the time, but he was like, man, we could do this on our own. So we went and bought dog clippers and was like, we're going to shave our dog because we don't need to do that. We can do it on our own. We tried it one time. We didn't chain the dog up either. We just, sure. we told it to sit and then took the clippers to it and the dog just ran off. And <laughs> Me and my brother were laughing and we were like, what do we do with these clippers? We put them up underneath the, uh, the cabinet, never touched them about uh, two years, about a year and a half later, my brother, it was either get a haircut because I needed one by my brother who never cut hair before or my mom who used to give that finger thick monkey haircut. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Where your mom would just put her hands all over your head and you would look like a Manchi Chi. <laughs> I have plenty of those. <laughs> So uh, I let my brother do it. My oldest brother was in the back watching and laughing, but I was thinking I either take this haircut or take a beating. And I took the haircut and then that <laughs> brother who cut me became a lawyer. The brother who was laughing, watching me became a doctor. And guess what? I became the hairdresser. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So Kelly, when did, um, when did you uh, start school? Like hair uh, school? Did you go to school? Did you do an apprenticeship? How'd you get into the industry? No, I went to, uh, it was in 1993, I went to Santa Maria Beauty College, represent, whoop, whoop, right whoop. outside of Lompoc. Um, <laughs> but I was cutting hair in the kitchen, man, and my mom was like, why don't you go to school for that? Because I was cutting hair, like, you know, after my brother cut my hair, I started cutting hair, and I was playing basketball, football, baseball. So I was the only, only one on the team with, a, with, uh, with Clippers. So I would fade everybody up, and that was the difference between, you guys know we're in the same generation. Like, if you had a, a nice fade, like that color me bad fade, you were, you got all the ladies, but if you had that crusty fade, then no ladies was trying to talk to you. <laughs> you know what I mean? People, it's so funny. Cause nowadays people are like, Oh yeah, I did this uh, tight fade and a hard part. And I'm like, yeah, that was coloring me bad back in the day. You know what I'm saying? Like I saw that already, but um, you know, we were doing that basketball, football, baseball. So I was the only one fading. And then I, I was cutting in my mom's kitchen and my mom was like, why don't you go to school for that? And I thought, I don't got anything else to do. My brother was going to help me with community college at the time. And I went and they, man, I went for the interview and they told me it's going to be eight hours a day, five days a week for 10 months. And I thought you are crazy. 
I am not going, <laughs> I am not going to another year of high school, man. And I, I was on the way home and, and that's when, uh, you know, God spoke to me and asked me like, you know, if you go to uh, community college for the next 10 months, at the end of the 10 months, what you're going to have? And, and then he asked me, what are you going to have after 10 months of uh, going to hair school? And, uh, and he answered and he said, a license. And when he said that, then my dad had taught me that it, uh, he would support me 100% in anything that I did as long as I did it to the best of my ability. So at that time, like I just turned it off and just went all in. And so you can imagine at that time in 93, it's not that popular for a guy to be a hairdresser. So I was actually working in a, um, in a automotive shop at the time, changing oil. And I, I, I started taking Vogue and Glamour magazine, putting it in Popular Mechanics and acting like I was reading Popular Mechanics, but I was reading about women and what they like with their hair. And, um, you know, but, and I didn't tell any of the garage guys when I left, I told them I can't work anymore. I've got to go to school. And they're like, what you going to school for? I was like, oh, uh, you know, you, right. you know, you know, yeah. I didn't tell them. Right. So. <laughs> that's pretty awesome. Actually. That's, that's, that's a great story. Especially when you went back, you said, you know, with all the fades, you know, to make one with the, the clean fades, you know what I mean? You got the girls. I'm like, you're, you're giving everybody these clean fades. Who's fading you? The Jerry's buddy, right? Jerry's coworker. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's that old story? Come on. What, what's man. the old story? There's two barbers in town. You always want to go to the guy with the bad haircut, right? right? You want to go to the barber <laughs> with the bad haircut because. Right. You know, the guy with the good, good haircut. Right. Exactly. It was cut by the other dude, right? Right. Whatever. We'll mess that up. We always do. So that's all. So Kel, when did you start working in, in, uh, in salons and stuff? Well, when I got out of school, you know, I had never been in a salon. Like, uh, you know, my mom had gone to salons, but I'd never been to a salon. I had only gone to the barbershop, you know? And then once I started cutting my brother's hair and my friends and stuff, I actually learned how to fade, which most barbers do. They learn how to fade themselves in their own mirror. And so I was doing that. And I, I'm always uh, astonished by that, by the way. Oh, 100%. It, it's awful. Like nowadays they have that. Have you seen that stick on mirror cape that they have that you shave your beard? You don't get hair all over the place. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, we didn't have anything like that. You know, I was just getting that. It, like I was here with the mirror and doing all this stuff. And, um, but I had never been in a salon, man. And, and I graduated from hair school. My brothers, uh, my parents, my dad got a job out in Memphis. And um, he and they invited my brothers to come and get in-state tuition and go to the University of Memphis out there. Well, <clears throat> I was the youngest brother, so I was moving too. So I had got my license four days before in California. And then I was moving to Memphis. Well, my plan was I was working with a guy, uh, give a shout out to Juan Dior. Uh, Juan Dior is a, I mean, this dude is OG. Um, he came to my beauty school and I got a chance to go to a two day hands-on class with him. And well, <clears throat> to help you to understand how I got to go there, they came and they said they were going to do this two day hands-on class. And uh, it was 99 bucks. Well, at the time, my mom was the only one working in our family. She was making $200 a week under the table. So $800 a month and our rent payment was 700. So she had to do all the rest with a hundred dollars. And I went home like the, ungrateful kids that we are when we're young because we just think that money is plentiful everywhere and I was like mom I want to go to this class so my mom didn't tell me hey you need to understand finances and I'm, I'm only making 800 bucks and I've got this she said okay and she started saving and for six weeks she saved every penny she could and got me that $99 and I got to go to a hair show or go to the, the class with Juan Dior for two days and at the end of the, uh, the, the time they um, uh, put all the names of the attendees in a hat 
And he said, I'm going to draw that name out the hat. And whoever gets drawn gets to come to the Long Beach Hair Show and assist me on stage. And I was like, and my name got drawn. And <sighs> dude, this was crazy. Cause this was right when Snoop's uh, CD came out. So Long Beach was like, you know, like it, you know, that, that record store where he did his first video on, yep. like we got, we got to see that, um, you know, but I didn't have any money either. So, and I didn't have a car. So uh, one of the girls in school, she got picked too. And we got in her Monte Carlo, like 76 Monte Carlo, like five other girls and myself. We got a one room, uh, uh, hotel in long beach in the ghetto and all of us stayed in there and then we went to the hair show and when i got there like i was like yes we're gonna be on stage with juan and i swear to you guys i swear the stage was that high i swear <laughs> the, the stage was like three inches off the ground and it was like eight foot by ten foot and uh he said we're gonna get models and i was like yes you know because as a young kid you're thinking i'm gonna be working with models and he's I was like how do we get models and he's like you just walk out and talk to people and ask them if they'll get their hair cut so I had to walk around the Long Beach Hair Show, and this is the greatest opportunity of my uh, lifetime. And so I'd walk around, and I'd see a woman, and I'd be like, yo, you know, can you, um, you know, can we cut your hair? Juan Dior, he's an international artist, you know, all these things. And then um, I'd take him, and we had to shampoo him in the bathroom of the convention center. And I had to literally straddle over the top like that barber did to me. When he said. <laughs> so they were, they were sitting in a chair sideways, and then I'd have to stand literally over the top of them and with the in the sink and shampoo the hair and then bring them out to Juan. He would cut them. And when we got done, he was like, hey, here's another opportunity. If you can make it to Sacramento, we've got another hair show in Sacramento in like four, three, four months. If you can make it there, we'll get you a place to stay. And that kind of jumped me off in my, in my career itself. This was before I had ever even been in a salon. He's following Juan around like the dead, right? <laughs> <laughs> Did you have the, uh, the uh, infamous dreads? No, man. I had a, uh, I think at the time, which was so silly because I, I still get mad at my buddy, Dale Shell. Uh, shout out to my buddy, Dale Shell. Um, he had a wedding while I was in hair school and he didn't invite me to his wedding and, or he didn't invite me to be in the wedding. And I was like, man, I can't believe it. But now I look back on it. I had just got into that hair school side, which hopefully you guys did too. Yeah. I, I had them bleach my hair and then do it orange. And then for some dumb reason, I had them take an outline, just my hairline with black. <laughs> and then and then like take, a pumpkin <laughs> and then, this it gets worse and then take like all my line like all, i'm lined up in 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 black with the orange shaved head and then i had them take and make a swirl on top of my head in the black <laughs> and, you have pictures, and, yeah, pictures. I, i'm gonna send you a picture of this and um. And, oh, well, hold on. I'm definitely posting it if you send it. Oh, if you, I want you to. I mean, it is, <laughs> it is awful. And it helps me to understand, Dale Shell, I understand why you didn't have me in your wedding. I mean, if I would have been at his wedding, it would have ruined his life. Like his wife would have probably divorced him. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I hope they're still married. <laughs> they are still married, but she was my seventh grade girlfriend. So she was mine before she was yours, Dale. What, what? Ooh, <laughs> dog. I, no, I'm just joking. He knows. He's, he's like 6'6", six, six, and he would kill me. So <laughs> <laughs> that's, my, that's my boy right there. So he's a gorilla. Uh, that is funny. So did, did you make it up to uh, Sacramento? Um, I did. At that Long Beach show, it was crazy because I had a um, – uh, administrator in school tell me that if you do anything in your entire career, follow this woman. She showed me this picture of this blonde headed woman. And I had no idea who anyone was. So she showed me and I was like, cool, I'll go. 
and find her. So when I did that first show in Long Beach, I looked for a woman with blonde hair. Well, I saw her on stage and she had a stage partner and he was super charismatic. He was talking about everybody. He wasn't talking about himself and he was just, the he was gangster and I just stayed with him. I had no idea who he was and I'll tell you who he is later on. But I did go up to Sacramento and I thought, man, I'm going to be at the Ritz Carlton. You know, I didn't know what the Ritz Carlton was, but I thought I was going to be staying in a nice hotel. Right. And so I'm up there, I drive up, there's no GPS at this time for you millennials. <clears throat> I mean, I just drive up like he didn't even have a car. My brother drove with me to San Francisco in his car and then said, you could drive to Sacramento. So I drive to Sacramento by myself. I get down there, have no maps, no nothing. And I, I don't know still to this day how I found him, but I find him. <laughs> we set up the show the day before. And then I'm like, yeah, and he's like, we got a place for you to stay. I'm like, cool. So he's got two girls with him. Um, and then him and Joshua, which shout out to Joshua, uh, this dude was phenomenal hairdresser, helped me to be able to cut hair. And he, um, uh, the girls go and they kind of split off. They're like, oh, we're going to our hotel. I was like, cool. So we're going to our hotel. We walk off, no lie, out to the parking lot. They've got an RV like in the parking lot. <laughs> what? That's your a hotel? R like an RV and not a big RV. I'm not, I'm talking about one of them like vans with the little thing over the top of it. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> and we get out. A pop top? I, Is that a pop top? And I, I see it and I'm like, I mean, I think we're going to drive to the, no, they're like, okay, so we're just staying here. So me, Joshua and Juan stay in this, in this uh, motorhome in the parking lot of the Sacramento hair show. And uh, so I did that and I did that and I had learned how to sell. They taught me how to sell because I was selling, there was one Dior, Dior International. So we were selling shampoo, conditioner. We had uh, uh, some spray. Sound uh, like you we, were part of a hustle. Oh, <laughs> I was in. Like open I up, was in. right? <laughs> and I was learning cutting, and I was selling the razor. I was selling all this stuff, and at the end, man, it was crazy because they were like, "Hey, here was your sales for the day," and I was like, "Yeah, that's cool, awesome." And they're like, "Here's ten percent of it," and I was like, "What? Ten percent? Like, I, I mean, I got nothing." And I mean, I'm thinking, man, I'm rich. And then they said, "There's another opportunity," and I was like, "Oh, cool. What is it?" And they said, "Well, it's on May 23rd." It's in, uh, it's at the Disneyland convention center. And if you can make it down, you could work with us again. And I was like, and, but I didn't tell them that May 23rd was my birthday. And, uh, you know, and I was like, man, and I didn't tell them that I didn't have a car that could make it there. So <laughs> I went home and I just said, yes. And I, I went home and I figured out my buddy Casey, shout out to him. He had a Honda civic at the time. And I had a, I have a 63 Impala, which I still have. It's my, my dad bought it for me when I was in high school, uh, but it couldn't make it to LA. And so I traded him my uh, 63 for his Civic for the weekend. And he let me drive down there. And I spent my birthday, my 19th birthday, first birthday I ever spent on my own. But I spent it in the hotel and no one knew. And then I did the hair show uh, because I, uh, this is what I wanted to do. That's awesome. That is, that is funny. Incredible. I mean, it's all of it. You know what I mean? It's, mm -hmm. uh, that's, that's pretty impressive. So you didn't have to stay in an RV when you were at uh, Disney? No, I went, I, I stayed in Motel 6. Um, you know, I went, I, I moved up in the world, you know what I mean? Right. Uh, so I, I stayed at Motel 6 by myself. It was scary too, man, because, you know, I mean, we, we grew up early. We grew up fast, you know, as me and my brother and stuff. But, you know, I'm 18, at the time, 18, just about to turn 19. I'm in LA, which I had never, I mean, well, it's Anaheim. It's not LA, but, you know, it's in that area. And, by myself and I have to go and get the hotel and there's no credit. I don't have a credit card at this time. I don't know how the hell I got there. Um, <laughs> you know, I guess Jesus took the wheel. That's what it was. You know? <laughs> he sure did. didn't he? <laughs> Wow. That's, that, that's, I mean, you, you knew what you wanted and you went for it. You know, that's, that, that speaks volumes. 
Thank you. You know, a lot of a lot of times people see the roadblock and they're like, oh, that's too hard. I can't get yeah. there. You know what I mean? You figured it out. You're like, oh, yeah, okay, I'm there. <laughs> I'll sleep in an RV. Kelly, was it from a place of like, I really want to be in this world. I really want to do hairdressing. Or was it from a place of like, if I don't do this, I don't know what else I'm going to do. That, it was that. It was the second. Um, you know, I never wanted to be a hairdresser, man. I didn't know what it was. Um, I never wanted to cut hair. I didn't. The only reason why I cut hair is because it got longer. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't. Like, <laughs> I don't have. I don't have that inspiring story. But I, the the principles that my parents instilled in me from a very early age was: if you do something, do it to the best of your ability. Don't compete with anybody else. Because my brother was the standout um, in everything. He was the uh, you know the top rated quarterback in the southern section of California. One of the top rated. Um, you know he he was the guy. He was a sweetheart in our town. Like you know. Um, and I didn't have my thing. I didn't have any of those things. And my parents never had me compete and they never had me compete against my brother or told me you need to be like your brother. They said, we want you to be exactly who you are. And that's what my mom always said. My mom always said, just be Kelly and everything's going to be cool. But what I did is I took and I just applied the principles because I believe that principles are like they're universal. And so I just applied the principles to the opportunity that I had. Some people saw that opportunity as adversity, but for me, like adversity was just my life. So it was just always like, you know, there was, Hey, here's this opportunity for me to drive 40 miles each way to my high school. Awesome. Right. Uh, here's this opportunity, uh, for me to move every, uh, two years, um, from the time I was born until the time I was 28 years old opportunity. Here's this opportunity, you know, for me to, uh, you know, my right before my senior year for my dad to pack up all of our belongings, drive into town with no job and no, no, not know where we're going and then sleep on other people's floor right before I was about to be a senior in high school and basically just live out of other people's houses. But I saw it as an opportunity to be able to galvanize some things, put some things together and create strength. Cause I knew that there was more adversity that was to come, which would end up becoming opportunity if I saw it that way. That's pretty inspiring. Yeah. Yeah. You know? We, uh, yeah, you're speaking home to me. I mean, I can relate to a lot of things that you're going through, but that's, I mean, the way you you looked at it, uh, and the way I looked at it was a little different. So I wish I looked at it through the way you looked at it. I just, I just got angry, right? <laughs> you know, like defeat it instead of inspire. Yeah. No, no, so, yeah I, well, I, I, I was just angry, but anyways, that's, that's a whole different story. That's, that's a, not that's about a whole me. Whole it's, about, podcast. <laughs> it's, all, it's all about you, Kelly. You know I mean? It's a, that's so, in or, being able to to see things like that, you know, through your struggles, is you're able to help other people when they're going through it to kind of shed light. You know what I mean? That's, I, I, that's much respect, man. Much love, man. That's that's hard to do. Thank you. I think a big shout out goes to my big brother Rob, and you know he's one of the top attorneys in in Las Vegas now. This guy graduated from the top of his class, uh, you know, at University of Memphis, six straight semesters with a four and, uh, you know, and when I asked him why he went to law school, he's like, cause I could, you know, and we didn't come from much. He was the first person to go to college in our family, but shout out to my brother, because when we were growing up, um, if my parents were fighting or there was adversity, what my brother would do physically, he would literally throw uh, physically and literally throw me into my room and tell me to play. And then he would go out and deal with my parents fighting or the adversity that we were dealing with. So he was, he, he almost created this bubble for me. And, you know, he threw me into the room and then sometimes he would go out and step in between my mom and my dad, <clears throat> my mom and my dad fighting. 
And I never saw that. So I, I saw uh, the life through this lens of, oh, wow, you know, our family is in this place or that place. And it was a good thing. And then he did it. And I don't know. I, I'm going to ask him this, Rob. I, I, I think you did this. But when I got into beauty school, you know how it is. Like you guys snap on each other, right? Like you guys give each other a hard time. Like you got a big old head or, you know. Right. What, why, why are you looking like you're from Duck Dynasty? Or, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know uh, Uncle Sai, si, Uncle si, you know what I mean? Get your teeth. Yeah. Uh, so we would be snapping hey, 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 on listen, each other. Listen, 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 baby fresh. <laughs> yes, yes. I love it. I love it. Listen, baby fresh. Leave it to nobody. Uh-oh, look, don't leave. Maybe get up and up rock real quick. We're going to get to that too. <laughs> no, but we used to snap on each other. You know what I'm saying? And, and nothing was off limits. I'm saying like, if you, if you, if your mom, if your mom had just gone through something, people be like, yeah, but my mom didn't do that. Like, and we were okay in our friendship. But I tell you, I think my brother pulled all my friends aside when I went to hair school and said, you could beg on anything, anything, but that's off limits. And no one touched it. Like no one touched it. Because in, in that generation, us growing up, you know, you wore a pink shirt. People were like, yo, what you trying to do? You know, it wasn't accepting like it is today. And there wasn't as much education. But I tell you, not one of my friends ever snapped on me as far as hairdressing. And there's a lot to do that in, in that time. And I think my brother pulled them all aside and let them know this is off limits. You could bag on him about how big his head is because my head is huge. It's been this size, it's been this size since, I, uh, since I was baby fresh. <laughs> which I still, oh, I got to show you something real quick, but you don't even know, right? Um, here it is right there. You can see it. That's a sash that says the dab master from the daddy-daughter dance. So I'll just go ahead and put that bad boy on right now because Baby <laughs> Fresh is alive and kicking. Right? Right, I like right, right, it. Right. So, <laughs> I don't even know that was coming out, but, um, but I, I believe that he did that. And he, he pulled him aside. And he, he's not a big guy. Like my brother's probably 5'7", five, 5'8". But on all of our buddies were huge, like six, 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 five, six, four, all these things. But I believe he pulled them aside and said, look, this is something you do not touch. And I believe that he told them to support me. And all of them were like, that you're the greatest, you're the greatest, you're going to be the best hairdresser ever. So I had 15 dudes that had never been around a hairdresser telling me that I was going to be the greatest and pushing me towards it, lending me their car, driving me to school. One of my buddies, Johnny, shout out to Johnny. He used to wake up every morning and drive me 25 minutes to hair school when I didn't uh, have a car. Wow. Why do you think your brother did that? I think because he loves me. Um, and I mean, him and I are like, he's my best friend in the whole world. This dude is, I mean, if you meet him, I mean, you guys should, even though it's a hair, I know you guys do hair stuff, but this guy is, I mean, he's been through it. Um, and I just believe it's because he loves me, man. And, uh, and I feel, I, I get, I try and talk to him all the time um, and try and stay in touch with him. And he really is my, my rock. And I mean, we just lost, uh, you know, just recently uh, in June, June 19th, actually, my mom passed away. And, uh, you know, and, you know, my, my, I've got my pop, you know, my pop is, my pop is strong. Um, but my brother, man, my brother, Rob is my rock. And, uh, you know, I just, I, He's always been my foundation. So. You can just see how his face lights up. And that's, yeah, amazing, right? that's awesome, man. That is, that's awesome. I have a, uh, I have two brothers, and uh, you know I, I'm the oldest, uh, and I can relate. You know that brotherly love, 100, percent man. All right, so we've teased everybody, dude. You got to tell them why you're baby fresh. Oh man. Well, back in the day, I was a break dancer. This was the only, hey, there was only four moves. You know what I'm saying? Like you got four moves. And what were they? 
Well, I mean, I had my windmill. My windmill was smooth, though. Uh-huh. It was smooth. You had windmilling. You had your uh, groundwork. I could swipe, right? right? And then my move that would cut everybody up because you would have competitions. But I had two things. My windmill would kill them, and then my floating would kill them, right? And so, you know, you would have that little, like, ah, uh, like all the way through, like, you know, like that kind of stuff, you know? But um, I that was traditionally, I mean, when you were battling most of the time, you weren't battling with people as light skinned as me. <laughs> so, so when we would go in, you would have your breakdancing name cause you didn't use your own name and you would be the youth center. And I, we, there was always the crew and there was the crew and they were a little bit tanner than me and they would always go after like, Oh, we got the white boy and they right. would get the white boy and then they get tore up. And when right. they got tore up, all their boys would be like, ah, you got beat up by a little whitey, you know? <laughs> and so, it was a thing that I always gravitated towards. Like Break It, Break It was one of the first movies I saw, you know, and I, I loved it. I was in it. I love, I'm a hip hop head uh, from the old school. Like I grew up on that. Michael Jackson, soul music, all that. Um, so, you know, one of my friends asked me what I wanted to be when I grew up. And I, uh, he's like, what do you ultimately want to be? And I was like a Southern black preacher, <laughs> you know? What <laughs> <I mean? laughs> but, but what sucks about that is I told, uh, I told my buddy, and he's actually a Southern black preacher. His name is Dale Jones. So I was joking with him and I told him, he took me to his church and he's like, hey, I want to introduce you to this Kelly. He's a uh, educator, you know, all this stuff with hair, uh, hairdresser and all these things. And everyone was like clapping for me. And then he's like, and he wanted to be a Southern black preacher. And it was an all black church. And everyone was like, whoop, like. <laughs> and then they came up to me afterwards and they're like, thank you so much for being here. It's so good to see you. And uh, about that other thing, um, we'll pray for you. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, break, break, break dancing name from the old school though that's that's funny how'd you get that one how'd you know that one baby fresh <laughs> yeah. people, man. we got our we got our ways right. <laughs> oh. used to rap no there we go you used to rap no him <laughs> you used to rap too give me a rap give me one Tony. give me oh man give me one, give me one. I came to the door. I said it before. I never, did, I never let the mic magnetize me no more. But it's a bite of me, the fight of me, the right of me, the rhyme. I can't hold it back. I'm looking for my line, taking off my coat, clearing my throat, and the rhymes will be kicking in until I hit my last note. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. I, I just want to pop some champagne. I, I was hoping you were going to dance. No, man. Or no. beatbox or something. No. The last, the last time I tried, because my brother would always, my older brother snapping on me all the time. He's always like, oh, yo, baby fresh, baby fresh. Well, I was over at his house one time and I was like, you know, because you still think your body is where your mind's at, right? Oh. And I was like, I still got it. And I was like, I still got my windmill. And he had, we had just done his floors. He had some, uh, you know, pergo floors. And dude, I got down on the floor and I was like, I got this. And I went to windmill. Dude, I look like a beach whale. Just, <laughs> just flopping and flailing. And he was like, man, he's like, I've always been proud of you, but that's the only time I've ever been embarrassed of you. <laughs> that's just ugly. That's just yeah. ugly, Kelly. I know how you feel. <laughs> <laughs> that's like getting out of bed for me now. <laughs> so I, I go play ball for my 17-year-old son, and, you know, he's like, it was just like a little warm-up for him. I'm like, oh, man, I'm hurting for it. Take me a couple of days to recover. I'm like, <laughs> 
And it's tough now with the internet, you're watching like James Harden do that step back. And I'm like, I got that. And then I go do it. I'm like, I, I ain't got that, man. I ain't got that. <laughs> 100%. Falls about six feet short of the room. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right, Cal, we got to fast forward now. So how okay. did you, um, so, so tell us about like your relationship with Paul Mitchell. How did that come about? How, where did that start? How did that, uh, how that relationship begin? Well, uh, that lady that I told you that, uh, the administrator showed me the picture of the blonde headed lady. I went and saw, um, her on stage at the Long Beach Hair Show. So in between getting models for Juan Dior, I saw this blonde-headed lady. She's working with this blonde-headed guy who's talking about everybody and he's the man and he's super charismatic. And I was like, dude, I love that guy. Like, I've never seen anything like that and I've gravitated towards him. Well, I had no idea, but that was Robert Cromines and the lady that she told me to follow was Jean Braw. So wow. I, I, I started following every hair show I could go to. I was going and I was watching and I was gravitated towards Robert and Jean was there and I was following. I did exactly what I was told to do. That's what you did in the military family. And um, so fast forward, when I moved to Memphis after, uh, after California, uh, about 21 days, I'm hanging out, just doing my thing. And then I think I want to go to a salon. Well, I found this salon called Gould's and they told me that I need to, to speak to Philip Gould. So I sit down in his office and I'm 19 years old and he's got like leather bound books looking like Ron Burgundy, you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> and I sit back in the chair and I'm 19, never had a job except the KFC. And I, uh, he's like, what, what, what can we do for you? And I said, well, I'd like to be educated. I'd like to be an educator, but I had my legs crossed too. And I was leaning back in the chair, like I was a pimp. And he said, uh, I said, educated educator. I want to be a platform artist. I want to travel the world. Uh, I want to do hair. And if the, your company could do that for me, sir, I'd love it. But if not, I'd like it if you don't waste my time. And no, I, I swear. And I was like sweating. Cause I was thinking he was going to kill me, but I just thought like, I don't know where I got that from, but I said it. And then he's like, hmm, well, we uh, come to, you know, it's, it's great that you say that because we trained one of the greatest uh, platform artists in the history of the um, industry. And I was like, and then he told me the name. And at the time I didn't know Robert's name, but right. he told me we trained Robert Cronies. And I was like, I don't know who that is, but if he's a platform artist, I'm in. So <laughs> then they gave me the job. So about two months later, I, I open up an American or modern salon. There's a four page spread of that guy that I had been following for two years, didn't know his name. And it said Robert Cromies. And I was like, Oh my gosh, that's the guy that worked for Goulds in Memphis. The one that I'm starting at. So I started at the same salon that Robert Cromies started at in Memphis, Tennessee. That wow. is now that is pimp, right? hundred <laughs> percent. That's pretty awesome, man. So I followed his career for two and a half years. And I told you guys earlier, man, I just, I, I forced people to be my friend. And I sat in the front row. I went to every hair show that I possibly could. I sat in the front row. And I, after, the, uh, after they got done, you know, there's people that linger. I was always that guy lingering and said, my name is Kelly Cardenas. I want to work with you someday. And then I got the opportunity uh, to uh, go to Oklahoma City because uh, uh, J.C. Meehan, shout out to him. Um, he told me, I got an opportunity for you. I can't pay you. I can't do anything, but I can get you backstage with Robert if you want. But it's in Oklahoma City. But I was living in Memphis, so it's like 10 hours drive. Mm -hmm. And I didn't have enough money to fly. So I drove, I worked on Saturday, drove 10 hours, got there at like four, three, four in the morning, and uh, then got to model call at like six. But in the mirror, I had put a big old name tag and I wrote it in big Sharpie. I said, Kelly, but I forgot about it throughout the day. So when I was working with Robert, by the end of the day, he was like, Kelly, can you go do this? Kelly, can you go do this? Kelly, can you do this? And I was like, I made an impression. I'm on my <laughs> way. <laughs> and then I went up to him afterwards. I said, how can I work for you, sir? Uh, work with you, sir. And he said, um, you could pack your stuff up 
and uh, you can move out to California. You could do exactly what we tell you to do. If you do it and you do it well, then you could stay. And if not, you could pack your shit up and go back home. And I was like, I'm in. And then I got back to my hotel and I realized he didn't remember my name. It was just a big, stupid name tag. And he, he took my card. I gave him my card. He took my card and he put it in his pocket. He went home to his wife, Margaret Cromie, and shout out to her. She, um, uh, he told her, uh, call this guy. Uh, I can't remember his name, but his name is in my coat pocket. Well, they're from Scotland. She picked the card out. And when she picked the card out, she saw Kelly. She saw, thought Kelly was a girl, so she threw it on top of the Anwar. It sat there for a year. And for a year, they didn't call me. I was, I was waiting on the call. And for a year, they didn't call me. But what was great about it is God was able to get me ready in the four pillars that we work with in our salon now, personally, professionally, spiritually, and financially. He was able to take those pillars, set them in place, and get me ready to be able to leave my family. And over the course of that year, he did that. And then, uh, you know, a, a year later, um, I gave a, a, him my card in Atlanta. And, um, <clears throat> you know, it was uh, September 19th. God told me that my job was over in Memphis. And that was the first time God had audibly spoke to me. And he said, your job is over. And I was like, no, my job ain't over. My job is good. And then he, I heard it again. And then I heard it again. He told me three times. And I went home. And my mom told me something that will stay with me forever. She said, uh, start to praise him because uh, praise unlocks blessing. Uh, God's in the midst of the praise of his people and uh, to praise him in all things. And so I praised him that night for the uh, confirmation that my job was over and I didn't have a job. So this is September 19th, October 7th at 1130 at night, which was Memphis time, which is still 930 at night, West Coast time. I got a call from Margaret Cromines and asking me to be Robert's personal assistant for which I never applied for. And God confirmed it at that time and took me out. And, uh, you know, but I did what everybody does, right? I, I, I've, you know, when, when God gives you like confirmation, I'm like, are you sure, God? Give me one more sign. You know? Wow. That's amazing. That's, I'm, yeah, I think, I think we're, that's awesome. Yeah. Right. That's that, really awesome. So how long, so then what, how long did it take you to get, get out to California? Well, so I went out, uh, like, you know, I got that call and I was so, I was really excited. And, uh, but I was eight weeks solid booked in Memphis, Tennessee at the time. So I was eight weeks solid booked on the 45 minute mark. And so if I, with a 45 person waiting list. And so if I, if I missed one day, it put me back eight weeks. Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 So I got the opportunity to go out. I went out for two days. I had to reschedule, uh, you know, people for eight weeks. When I got out there, they, uh, you know, there was only one client in the whole salon. Only Robert was doing it. And I was like, I thought I was coming into a line down the street, this, you know, huge thing. Cause Robert was the biggest thing to me. And, um, and I remember thinking right then I was like, this is not what I came for. And then God asked me if you had the opportunity to be in this spot, cause there was a bunch of people in the back room, all the rest of the stylists were in the back room and there was like 12 chairs that were empty. He asked me, if you had this opportunity, would you ever be in the back room or would you be out in one of those 12 chairs sitting next to Robert and making sure everything that you could take out of this opportunity you took? And I answered that question. And then um, on the way home, I told God, I said, like, you know, because they asked me, uh, uh, they told me about money. And at the time I was making $75,000 a year. I was living with my mom and I didn't have a bill in the world. I had $151 car payment. That's it. But I was living in Memphis with my mom. And they, uh, they told me that you're going to be working 40 hours a week um, on salary for 200 bucks a week. Ooh. And that's before taxes. 
And I was like, there, I mean, that's it. That's my confirmation that I'm not coming to California. And I remember driving home and asking God, you got to show me in black and white, God, you guys ever make a deal with God like that? Like if you, you know, if you let me dunk this time, then I'll follow you forever. You know what I mean? (laughs) You know, and I had made that deal. I said, if I see it in black and white, I will, I will follow you. I'll do it. And I got home and I read, and it was actually in Exodus where uh, uh, Israelites were coming out of Egypt and God was taking them out of there, but he made them walk around in the wilderness for 40 years. Um, and the people started murmuring, getting mad at Moses. And Moses uh, started thinking, man, maybe they're right. And uh, God said to Moses, I will redeem you without money. And as, seen, as soon as I saw that in black and white in his word, because I thought I was getting off in a technicality because there's no San Diego in the Bible. There's no Kelly in the Bible. So I'm good. <laughs> and, I saw, and I saw that. And right when I saw that, tears came down uh, my face. And I called my mom. And she's like, why? Are you, are you uh, just overwhelmed because God spoke to you? I was like, no, I'm overwhelmed because I'm broke now. Like, I got to do this. Right. You know? <laughs> so you could imagine, you know, I was making 75 here in Memphis. No car payment or just car payment, $151. I got the opportunity for $200 a week before taxes. So that's around 10, 11, $12,000. So I took a $62,000 pay cut at 21 years old to go and work with Robert in the first place. Wow. That's, I mean, that is definitely divine intervention because there's no way a 21 year old going to take a $62,000 pay cut. (laughs) What, right? You know, that's, I mean, yeah, you saw something that nobody else saw. You heard while well, you heard something that nobody else has heard. Uh, so, so how long did it take you to move out there? Well, I got back and I did exactly what you guys would do. I ain't judging you, but you would have done it too. I got back and I was like, God, confirm it again. You know what I mean? I was like, are you sure you don't want me to stay here and make the 75? And a God told me, he gave me a vision. He said, uh, when you're born, you get a little glass. And in that glass, you put all your attributes. You put your accomplishments, you put all the things that you do, the things that you're puff your chest out and you say, this is what I did. And that's what you walk around with. He said, you've got that glass that was issued to you when you were, when you were born, but the, and that glass is full right now. He said, that glass is full and you can walk around and you can show everybody that and be excited about it. Or you could give me back that glass. I'm going to give you a big bucket. The bucket's going to be empty. But once I fill it, you'll never understand how much I could bless you. And, uh, you know, it was one of those kind of lessons that your dad teaches you where I knew that I had to take the bucket. Right. And, right. and I was like, but, you know, I like the glass a lot. And I tell you, like, at that point, I knew it was like the right thing to do was take the bucket. So I put the glass down. I took the bucket. And then he has overflowed. And since then, he's actually taken the bottom out of the bucket because he, he, he told me that he wants to flow through me to bless others. And he said, as soon as you put a cap on the bottom and start hoarding what you have, I'll stop blessing you. I'll keep blessing you as long as you take the bottom out the bucket and whatever I bless you, you give away. So get a blessing, give it away, get a blessing, give it away, get a blessing, give it away. And he said, I'll consistently have fresh water running through your bucket and blessings through your bucket as long as you don't put a bottom on it. Hey, I'm a believer. Boom. Bye, man. Bye, man. That's pretty cool. So, uh, so again, so how long did it take you to get back out to, uh, to Robert's salon? And then how long did you end up assisting him for? So that was, uh, it took me about, uh, it was October. So it took about two and a half months. And then I assisted him for seven months, went on the floor for a year and then got promoted to the director of the salon. Um, and then six months later, they sent me to Mandalay Bay to open the flagship out there. And the Mandalay Bay, that's where you, um, that's where you met, uh, Elizabeth Fay. Yeah. The Mandalay Bay was uh, where Elizabeth Fay was. So you weren't with him that long. And all, all of a sudden, you, I mean, you were promoted pretty high. 
I mean, it went fast. It went fast, man. I mean, seven months as an assistant was a long time because I had been styling before in in my head, but you know, I, like I said, I went on the floor one year, six months later, they, they moved me to Vegas and then I directed the salons uh, for, for 10 years. I was with the company for 10 years total. Um, What do you think that they saw in you to, uh, to move you along, along, I mean, both, I mean, both bringing you out from, you know, nowhere to, 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 you know, his salon. And then, and then again, what do they see in you when they sent you over to, uh, to Mandalay Bay? Is that a fair question? Yeah. Yeah. I, I would like it to be romantic and think that I was the man, but honestly, <laughs> like, I, I think that I was the only one that's avail- that was available. And when I say available, like, I think that there's so many people that squander their availability in life. And when they do this, what they do is they, they bring people or things into their life that cause them to not be accessible and available to whatever opportunities come. So when I say that, um, you know, I was a young kid, I didn't have children. uh, I wasn't married. Um, You know, I was talking with girls or whatever it was, but the only reason why I moved to San Diego was for Robert. So when they told me, you know, Hey, you're going to move into this director position. Like, I was able to, I was able to be nimble, right? And then when they said you're moving to, uh, you know, Vegas, which literally he gave me, he told me he was, I was going to do it, and then he said you're going to move out in like four months, and then a week and a half later, he told me you're moving in a week and a half. So within three weeks, my life got turned upside down. But I think that people ask me this all the time. They're like, how do I get the job that I want, and, and what what abilities do I need? And my dad always told me, you never need ability. You just need the availability to do whatever it takes to be successful. And I, I truly believe I'd like it to be romantic, like me be the man, but I was simply available to do whatever the heck he told me to do. And I was in, you know, we're going to sell that quote available. I love it. I'm, I'm literally writing it down right now. Yep. <laughs> you know, that, that, thank your dad for that quote. <laughs> big, big, big shout out to pops. Uh, Thanks pops. <laughs> Thanks pops. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. So, um, so then you're at Mandalay Bay and like, how was it like, you know, rebuilding your book? How was it, you know, managing people for the first time? What, like, what was that experience like? It was like, I mean, it was crazy. Like when we got there at first, the, uh, the hotel got delayed. So it, I, for four months, uh, we didn't have a salon. Um, so, and Robert did a training the day I got there, the day, right? So I got there at like three o'clock of the day cause I drove in from San Diego. So at three o'clock I see him. I'm there with him for an hour. I go up to my hotel and then I go to dinner. I call his room the next day. There's no, there's no answer. There's no one under that name. So I check the assumed names, everything like that, but they had left that morning, but we didn't have a training manual. We had nothing. We, he had just hired a bunch of people. And so I had to find a room for us to train the people. I had to figure out and make up the training. So every, uh, what I did the first time I, I called the hotel, like one of the executives and I said, Hey, we need a, a room. And she said, oh, no problem. And I was thinking, man, I know now I'm Mr. Cardenas. She's like, Mr. Cardenas, I could get you whatever you need. I was like, yes. So I go down there and she said, Mr. Cardenas, would you like to have lunch delivered to the room? And I was like, well, hell yes. Like, I, I just moved to Vegas. I'm, this is my town now. So I'm in this room. I'm doing my thing. And I did the thing that my mom wouldn't be proud of. But they, had, they brought in this spread, like sandwiches, you know what I'm saying? Like drinks, cookies, big cookies. And... While no one was watching, I took a couple of the sandwiches and I put them in my, you know, my bag and I put a couple cookies and I put a couple drinks because I didn't have enough money for room service. So I did that and I get a call later that night and it's Margaret Cromies and she's like, 
what the hell are you doing? And I said, well, I, you know, I'm, I'm training the staff to do whatever. She's like, no, what the hell are you doing? And I said, uh, not much. And she's like, what'd you have for lunch? And I was like, oh man, they caught me on camera stealing this stuff. I'm going to lose my job. And I was like, uh, you know, I had this, I had that. And I was like, I'm sorry, Margaret. I took a couple of sandwiches. And uh, she's like, that's not what I'm talking about. Do you know how much that lunch cost me? I was like, they asked me, they called me Mr. Cardenas and asked me, she's like, Kelly, that was a $500 catering service that you ordered. <laughs> <laughs> so I had no, so she's like, there's none, no more of that. So we had to find a distributorship. I found this distributorship. And so we go to this warehouse. It's in a complete industrial area. This guy gives me a 10 by 10 room to train the staff. I have them come every day for four months dressed in black from nine. And I wouldn't let them leave till five. Cause my dad always said, uh, it, whatever a person's paying you, give you, give them double the amount of service and you'll never be in their debt. So if you charge $45 for a haircut, simply give $90 worth of service. If you get $5 an hour, give them $10 an hour in service. And that way you'll constantly move as you go. So I was doing this and I was making stuff up. Literally, I was praying on the way there and I was just making, I would set uh, chairs up and have them run through obstacle courses, blow dry on one side. And then I'd be like switch. And then they have to run over and flat iron on the other. And the way that we, <laughs> the way that we got clients was I sent them out into the community and you can imagine we're all dressed in black. And we go to grocery stores, we go to malls, whatever. And we approach random women and say, we've got a salon that's open at the Mandalay Bay. We don't have it open yet. But if you come to this warehouse, we'll do your hair for free if I could train my assistants. And shout out to this lady named Kelly. Uh, she still comes to this day. She was one of those ladies that I got to be a model. And now she not only comes, but her daughter is 22, 23 years old and is still a client of our brand, Kelly Cardina Salon now. Wow, that's awesome, man. Yeah, that's that took guts. You know what I mean? Most women would be afraid, right? Yeah, I mean, if someone approached my wife in a grocery store, like I'd be like, "You better back that off." Yeah. <laughs> and if she went, I'd be like, "What are you thinking?" Yeah, well, <laughs> and it's funny because one of the ladies she came and her husband dropped her off, and I was like, "Oh, because uh, it was a one of the ladies who worked with us." But I made them dress in black, wear full makeup, everything like that. Well, her man drops her off, and I was like, "Well, do you guys just have one car?" She's like, "No." Uh, I got dressed like this and my wife, uh, my husband didn't think that I was going to a job. He thought that I was going out on him. So he's dropping me off and picking me up every day. So he knows where I'm at. <laughs> yeah, that whole scene is, I don't know if you've seen the, uh, the, there was a, everybody's heard of the, the purge, the movie, but there was a yeah. series and uh, there was a bus full of people dressed in, uh, it's, it kind of reminds me of that. You, all you guys popping out of a bus <laughs> and trying to bring people on this bus. And anyways, <laughs> that's what that's what I'm envisioning, right? All these people coming out of a out of a warehouse trying to recruit you in. <laughs> so, in. so you know, when we opened at the Mandalay Bay, it was crazy because we opened to this hoopla. Like Pavarotti was there. I mean, we had never experienced anything like this. I was in a uh, uh, a walkthrough salon in, um, in San Diego, like in Pacific beach. So we go to this uh, hotel and I tell you, it was like taking candy from a baby. My first week on the floor there, um, you know, I had done a $2,000 week on a $25 haircut and, and that was the first person to do a $2,000 week. But I mean, that's hustling. But I went like Robert, when he asked me to go to Vegas, he's like, Hey, you're going to be going to Vegas. He's like, how much you want to charge for a haircut? And I was like, I don't know. I, and I, had, I couldn't think on my feet. So I said, let me pray about it. I went home. My God kept giving me my birthday. And I was born in 1975. So I came back and I said, I'm going to charge 75 bucks. And he said, okay. I didn't think he was going to take it. So we, st we open up and I was just at a $35 haircut like the day before. And now I'm at, seven, <laughs> yeah. now I'm at 75 looking at the guests. Like if you would have just came yesterday, you would have got half off. 
Um, But I tell you that first week when you were asking, how was it to build a clientele? It was like taking candy from a baby. I mean, this was 1999, the time of decadence. You know what I'm saying? Like the the economy was starting to turn. It was, things were going, people were just slinging money. So, I mean, my first week out, although, I mean, I worked seven days, but you know, my first week I did more than I had ever done in my entire career. And you know, but what I did too early on is I cut myself off from walk-in business and my boss was pissed because everyone was making a lot of money and I wasn't making that much. But what I wanted to do is I wanted to show my whole team that I wasn't going to ebb and flow with the seasons. I was going to go out and hustle my own business and I was, I was going to feed them first. And that's what I, I, one of the first things that I learned in leadership was, you know, my dad, if he had a dollar, my dad was going to buy me a Big Mac, buy me the fries, and he was going to sit and watch me eat. And what he told me there was, I, I love you, you know, and I will sacrifice whatever it is that I need to so you can eat. And that's what I did early on with my team. And it paid dividends in the end because I wasn't taking anything from them. I would never take a walk-in. I would never take anybody unless everyone was full. And I had to build my business by the hustle. And then my ba- business was stabilized always and never ever flowed with the seasons like a lot of hairdressers. So, so the first four, well, I, in Vegas, the first four months before the uh, salon opened, you were on a salary? Yeah, I didn't, I didn't negotiate that either, right? So I didn't ask them what it was going to be before I went. So <laughs> I got there and I just, I mean, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a believer, right? So I'm like a, not a believe, I'm not talking about like my faith, but I'm just talking about a believer. Like if you tell me Superman is outside and I go and see that Superman and outside, I'm going to be like, you're a liar. I'm going to say he left. Right. You know? Right. And right. so my, my, uh, you know, Robert sent me, but I didn't ask him. I didn't negotiate anything. And, um, they put me back on salary for 350 bucks a week. And, uh, I mean, 350 bucks a week and you ain't getting no tips. Um, I could, I mean, it was, we were scraping, man. We were scraping. Whoa. Thank God you were in Vegas, <laughs> you know, I mean, the sense, because it, imagine if you were back in California, I mean, that, you know, we're hot New York, DC, whatever, high mm-hmm. rent district. That's, that'd be tough. So, so that first week, were you on commission or were you still on salary when you had the biggest day of your uh, career? That, well, that, that week uh, I went on to commission, you know, and you know, that that's been the great thing for me. I, that's what I love about the industry is because I've never known how much I was going to make. But I look at it like this. I've never known how much I was going to make. Does that make sense? Like I can make whatever I want. And so that's why commission has been so amazing to me. Yeah, wow. Literally. I mean, you, it's up to you. You can make as much as you want to make depending on how hard you want to work. That's true. Right. But you know, what's funny is like sometimes the, the, you know, that work isn't like slaying hairs, you know, that, that, that work is like now, I mean, it's social media and stuff, but when we were kids, man, it was like getting out there and hustling on the street, you know, right. Just building so, your clientele. Exactly. So, uh, that's the hustle, bro. That's the hustle, man. So, so you were with Robert Chromines for, for, uh, 10 years. When did you start it? Start your, uh, salon? Um, well, this was, uh, April 2nd, um, 2006. So I got a call on a Monday. It was a national championship game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was watching, it was a national championship basketball game, NCAA championship. Uh, we we're watching that. And I had made a managerial decision, uh, you know, earlier that week. And this was Monday. So it was my day off. And they called me and told me, you don't need to come to work anymore. And uh, so I, I, I was, you know, God gave me peace at that time. I, I was completely peaceful. It was amicable break. Everything was good. Um, 
And I like later on he gave or he gave me comedy about it right away because I was like Craig from Friday. Like I got fired on my day off. You know, how are you gonna get fired <laughs> on your day off? Uh, it really happened that way. And you know, but for me, what it was was um, you know, I, I don't believe I ever would have left the company. I believe that it was God taking me out of that situation and and uh because there was something larger. There was something else that he wanted me to do. And I believe this to be true. Um that God told me early on, he told me my life's purpose, which is Romans 9.17. 9.17 says that for God put Pharaoh in this place, that when uh, he spoke, that, um, that the people wouldn't hear Pharaoh's voice, that they would hear God's voice. And God told me that he was going to put me in a place that when I spoke, then people had to listen. And when they listened, they'd hear his voice and not mine. And if I ever got to the point where I thought they were listening to me and that I was the man, he was going to take every one of those blessings away. And I believe he gave me that, uh, you know, in, uh, what was it? 1997. He told me that <clears throat> God gave me that. But I believe by the time I was done 10 years later with Robert, I believe that a lot of my focus became on the man, Robert Cromines and not on God. And I don't believe that God was okay with that. And he took me out of that to help me to understand, like, I don't want you focused on any man. I don't want you to focus on any situation. I don't want you to focus on your money. I want you completely focused on me and I'll provide everything. Cause I've signed all the checks that you've got anyway. Boom. Wow. Yeah. I was, it's funny. Cause when we, you know, we have your book and thank you very much for it. Yeah. Uh, so on one of the cards, I, I saw that verse and I was, I was like, Oh, that's great. You know, I thought it was so cool. And, uh, and that's the, the exact verse he just gave us, you know, that's a little postcard in the book. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Or was it written? It was handwritten, right? Yeah. Look. Yeah. Yeah. Romans. Hey, it was funny, man. My, my buddy, Will, shout out to my buddy, Will, my best friend since fourth grade. Him and I used to practice our signatures, probably like you guys did, just in case we got famous someday. We used to do this in sixth grade and we would be like, uh, do a signature and we'd be like, nah, I don't like that one. Nah, I don't like that one. <laughs> <laughs> so I practiced and practiced and practiced. And now, I mean, it's cool because I mean, well, I, I wrote the book. I mean, I, I made that happen. It's kind of like in our salons. Uh, I, I saw a kid, he was like nine. I walked in the salon one time and he looked at me, he's like, wow, that's the guy on TV. And I was like, dude, that's my YouTube channel. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not on TV. You know, I put myself up there. So I had to tell him. So. Uh, that's pretty cool. So, Cal, so, I mean, you know, since the salon and since you opened your salon, you know, you, you're kind of known as like a business manager or like a brand manager and stuff. So, what does that look like for you? And like, how are you developing that? Well, for me, uh, I've, I've really honed it into, I want to make hairdressers efficient. Um, that's the, the main key and the one word that I want to make sure that every hairdresser understands and knows. Um, I'm the guy that's going to help you to be more efficient with your time, um, with your haircutting, with your color, with all those things. I believe that there's, uh, you know, phenomenal artists, craft artists out there that you know, I think one of the best haircutters in the world is a guy named Brandon Dara. You need to have him on your show. Brandon Dara, he's the artistic director of Van Michael Salons. This guy is gangster, like one of the best haircutters in the world. Um, but I'm an efficiency guy. So what I do is whatever a person does that's great, because I don't believe I'm great. I just hang out with great people. But I take great people, and then I break them down into five, six, seven easy steps. So a four-year-old could do it. And that way, what we do is we take the ego out of our business and we allow people to be themselves as opposed to saying, look, look at this color that I did. You've got a 19 year old that could do the same thing because he was standing in the same place with the same tool. 
So now we just get to be ourselves and we get to really pour in and fill up those guests as opposed to them coming to see us. We're actually coming to see those guests. What, I mean, what does that look like? What do you mean you kind of like you pull the ego out? I mean, I guess I'm kind of lost in like what that, what that looks like in the salon basis. In the salon basis. So, I mean, we systemized everything, man, like uh, from, from, the, from the beginning. Because what I wanted to do is I wanted to uh, take and most of the time when a, a client comes into the salon, if their hairdresser leaves, then they go with their hairdresser, which is normal. Right. That's, but what I thought about is if I go to the grocery store and the same person checking me out isn't there, I'm not going to not buy my groceries. But what I wanted to be able to do is I wanted to be able to have a system within our place where we could have a common language. So we created a place like three positions where you stand to cut hair and they're all listed out. Three arm positions that you'll use, three elevations that you'll use. And we even created a four set scissor system that all the people in our entire company throughout the country use. So that way, what I could say, I could call you up, you know, Corey, and be like, yo, I used a 70 percenter. I stood in a number two. It was a medium elevation. Um, and I use the, uh, you know, the chin as the guide and that language would be able to translate from one of my salons in Chicago to all the way to Carlsbad or to uh, Las Vegas. And you would have your formula in. And so I found that the more and more that we develop systems that help people to be successful, it helped them to be more efficient, which got them more clients, got them more money. Then I was able to manage the system and love the people. But I think that people flip that around. Most people love the system and they manage the people, but we love the system or we love the people. We manage the system and managing system is not emotional, right? So if I put a system in play and you know, the system I've communicated to you and you are outside a system, I could simply manage the system, but I'm not attacking you personally. And that's where I think our industry, you know, that's the next level. That's where we go to the next level is when we start to take the emotion out of it. Uh, it's a thing that Terry Cowan, shout out to her, is a thing called Q-tip, right? Q-tip. And if we can become Q-tip, which is quit taking it personal, quit taking it personal, Q-tip, right? It'll create efficiency. I love that, man. I kind of want to go, I kind of want to learn the elevations and stuff. Now. <laughs> right. Can you have a class near us? <laughs> Absolutely. We just had one in Marco Island, man. So we work, I work with kids for, I tell you, like from all over the country, from 30, uh, 30 years in the business, 30, uh, 34 years in the business, all the way down to four uh, months in the business. Within three hours, we had them all at the same level aptitude cutting hair because we worked in system. And so I put the two haircuts next to each other and the two haircuts were exactly the same only after three hours. Wow. That's incredible. That's crazy. I'm telling you, like I have a girl that's 24 years old. Her name is Eli Winters, 24. Because of the systems and the efficiency that she has and because she's gangster, before uh, she had a goal before the end of the year, she did a $10,470 week in service. Wow. At 24 years old. Holy cow. So, but, but when we break that down to system and common denominator, right, which is not something that a lot of times hairdressers want to go to as far as math. But if you break that down, that's nothing more than 47 guests at $222 average ticket. So she did 47 guests, which is 10 guests a day. Can you do 10 guests a day? Yes. If you, would you be willing to do that and stay a little bit longer if you could, reap the benefits of the 10,400, but still give, and it's not about the money, but we just think of it as a score, right? So if you're playing a video game, you play it, you get a score. This girl, I mean, 24 years old, she just turned, she, I think she's just about to turn 25, Eli Winters in Chicago. And I mean, this was done in 1100 square foot salon, no walk-in business, 
I mean, impressive. This is gangster. I mean, and this is what we're turning out. But what we're turning out is like, like I said, we're we're we want to help hairdressers to be efficient. That's what the book is about. You know, is I want to be able to say literally when you guys read the book, there's nothing in your life, whether it be with your marriage, your kids, your grandkids, anything like that. There is nothing that you will deal with, the challenge that you have, a goal that you have that won't be able to be answered outside of those six indicators. There's nothing. And I, I've, I've tested this. We, we, I wrote this after imploring it for four and a half years in, in our businesses. So our businesses ran on this for four and a half years. We saw the efficiencies happen. And then I wrote the book. So I didn't write a book on a theory and then try to work it. We did it backwards. That's just brilliant, man. All right. How many, we'll start reading it tonight. <laughs> You're on it. Hey, it's a hairdresser book. It's only 117 pages. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> oh, I'll, I'll big be, type, yeah. Big type, small yeah. book. Yeah, man. No, I'll be it's done. Like six it. words in the whole thing. It won't take me two months, but I got you. <laughs> <laughs> Kelly, how many salons do you have nationwide? And where are they? Right now, we have four. Uh, so we've got two in Las Vegas, one at the Hard Rock Casino. Um, we've got uh, Chicago, and we've got Carlsbad, too. How can people find this book? Uh, KellyCardenasSalon.com. A lot of people have gone to Amazon, but if you've uh, published a book before, um, you can respect this. With Amazon, you could do that. Um, come to KellyCardenasSalon.com. Uh, we'll get it to you. We'll ship it out to you very quick. Um, it's the best way to be able to go. That's awesome. Dude, I, I'm so impressed, man. You know what I mean? I, I knew you were a cool dude, but I mean, yeah, I can't wait to hang out with you, man. We need to we need somehow... Uh, you can hang out with Baby Fresh. Yeah, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, right? That's great. That's awesome. Kelly, I can't wait either, man. I really want to, um, I, 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 first I want to meet you. I want to hang out with you. I want to slap fives with you a little bit. Um, but I, I think we can do it again, man. I think we, we can open well, a mic and keep it going. I'm in the best position. I get to hang out not only with Baby Fresh, but Uncle Si at the same time. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> 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 uh, I would love it. I'd love it. I mean, I would love to, uh, to be in the studio with you guys and, uh, you know, be able to do some, uh, I would love to do this guys. I would love to host you guys in our salons throughout the country. If we did a, a traveling tour where you had your podcast live, um, in the salon so you could see what this stuff is, because there's a lot of people who talk about stats or, you know, balloon numbers and things like that. But when you see these people, I've never seen anybody work the way that these guys work. These guys are, I mean, it's amazing to see it. Yeah, that's we'll it. Definitely man. take you up on that. Yeah, yeah, we'll definitely take you. We, that, that, that'll happen. Yep. Awesome. Well, Mr. Kelly, you gave us some great stuff. You gave us some great stories. You gave us tons of laughs. And I, uh, I know that people love the laugh with us. Um, yeah, this is, this is one of my uh, favorites. I one mean, of your favorites? They're all my favorites, but yeah, as far as giggles, right? Yeah, I mean, exactly. as far as, yeah it, was, it was funny. That's awesome. Kelly, once again, thank you very, very much for joining us on your day off. Hey, hey, so there it is. Hey, this is a message that um, we've been trying to bring, I don't know, for the last couple of months, actually since we started the podcast. Hey, so if you like the podcast or if you find that it's useful, please, please, please leave us a review, a five-star review on iTunes. Um, leave us a rating and a review. But if you don't like it, forget about it. <laughs> yeah, totally forget about this message. We also want to thank Sarah and Blaine from Pretty Gritty. Uh, Sarah and Blaine, they are a band out of uh, Portland, Oregon, and we just want to thank them very much for allowing us to use their song, Pleased to Meet You, on our podcast. Um, that's cool. I think you can find, actually you can, you can find their music on, uh, on iTunes. Peace and hair grease. <laughs>